Welcome to the Simply Authentic Podcast with Angie and Tanya, where we hope to inspire you to dream big and push past your fear, empower you to take charge of your own life, and challenge you to be the most authentic self you can be. Simply Authentic Podcast. I'm Tanya Murfin. And I'm Angie Mullings. And we have a, a guest in studio today. We have Katie Gerwell, who is the owner of Healthy Roots Counseling. So welcome, Katie. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for having me yeah, today. Yeah, we're coming. happy. Yeah, we're happy to have you here. So let's start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, certifications, whatever you want to share. Okay, um, so I am in private practice um, in Republic, Missouri. I've been doing that for about a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, I was I worked for a mental health agency in town doing school-based services. Um, so that just means I go into schools. I was pushing in and providing mental health support to students that way. Got it. Um, and then before I was that, I was a school counselor for 10 years. Okay. And so my master's degree is what I have. Uh, that's what most um, therapists have is either master's or higher of, 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 of a graduate degree. Okay. And um, uh, so, but that's my background is education. Okay. And so, but I just, I guess when I was working in these different jobs, I, I love working with youth and like all ages. My preference is like 10 years old and up, but I like working with youth and families. um, And I think all the career, like jobs I had just kind of led me to realize that um, my best skill set is done in a private practice setting where I can kind of set my own hours, my own pace of things and kind of have that control and autonomy where when you're in education, it's, you don't, you don't really get that. Sure, right. And yeah. school counselors, it's actually this week is National School Counselors Week. Oh. So I always say, if you know a school counselor, thank them. They work really hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so big job. Very yeah. big job. And it, you wear many hats. Sure. You have to do a lot with that job. But um, And for the right person, it's great. It was just not necessary. I did it for about well, nine years. And it just wasn't, it, 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 I kind of lost my passion really fast with it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, it was, it was hard to balance all the sure. roles. Um, and then when I was at my mental health agency, again, not being able to kind of control how many kids I saw in a day. Um, I, I kind of always had those quotas I had to meet and that just felt really, um, like what's most important here. Uh-huh. <laughs> and right. so doing this allows me to do it my way. So I don't necessarily, you know, work eight hours, mm-hmm. but it allows me then to be really good for those hours I'm in office yes. for mm-hmm. my clients. Makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my education, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, a master's in education and counseling. Um, I don't hold, I'm a nat- actually, I am a nationally board certified counselor. Uh, that is something you, you take that exam. That's like one of the first steps a therapist has to do to get licensed is take the national counseling exam. So when you pass that, you are board certified. Got it. So I hold that certification and currently I'm working towards my EMDR certification. And, okay. um, that's a special type of therapy, highly effective with those who have endured trauma. Okay. Um, so it's, 
it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And the best way to sum it up is we ask the clients to recall very painful, stressful, traumatic memories. And then we uh, do a special type of brain work, which is called bilateral stimulation. Yes, a very okay. <laughs> big phrase. Uh -huh. It's where you activate both sides of your brain using your senses. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing uh, the science behind it is when you do that while thinking about something stressful, it desensitizes the effects on you. Mm -hmm. So Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming by you going for that label behind your name or whatever you want, however you want to say that, that that will become a niche for mm -hmm. you. Do you see adults as well as children? I do. I, okay. I have a good mixture of, of, okay. of adults and, and youth. Um, mm -hmm. And the adults have, you like when I bring this up, they've either heard something about it or they're at least willing to try it because when I... I feel like an adult, when they have come to me recently, they were almost like, I just need something different. Mm. And they're just so ready for change. And so mm -hmm. when I pitch it to them, they're all my adults are like, yes, let's mm. try it out. So that's been exciting. And honestly, the youth, the, the kids and the teenagers, they don't, they're always on board. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Really? <laughs> so that's that's interesting. open to it. Okay. Yeah, they're really, and with kids, it's fun. I can be really like... We can play out some of the stuff. They can right. draw things out that we. Mm -hmm. I use a lot of expressive modes. Mm -hmm. That doesn't, you know, they don't necessarily have to sit there and talk about the memories. And a lot of kids, depending on how their age, really can't do that. Honestly, right. like it's not developmentally appropriate. Sure. So mm -hmm. using other ways for them to get it out is really beneficial. So. Mm -hmm. And you kind of alluded to it. So if you see a child, let's say. I don't know what the age range is, but let's say under 15, mm -hmm. are you really counseling the whole family or at least a parent along with this child or how does that work? Having parental involvement is very important. Okay. If, you know, a parent wants to get their child into counseling and like you said, under the age of 15, they really have to work with that therapist. And I tell some of the parents, be picky, make, ask that therapist a lot of questions to make sure you're okay with the influence that therapist mm -hmm. will have on your child Good point. because mm -hmm. they will influence them yeah. mm -hmm. and not that you know we as clinicians try to keep our views outside of the the office door and keep it very unbiased but we are people mm -hmm. and sure. so that's True. where I've, I've told parents like you really want to know and you're trusting me as a therapist with your child mm -hmm. and so i appreciate that trust but i also need them to be on board i've had a lot of my parents for emdr sessions sit in with their child which mm -hmm. is very helpful to have that safe adult as long as they are a safe adult mm -hmm. and they're with them to support them while they're doing this trauma work because it right. can be very draining i bet mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. aside from the trauma work if you're counseling a child and let's say they say they don't they have a resistance to a parent being in the room mm -hmm. is that do you just respect that is is that mm -hmm. a sign to you that there's a underlying problem or I just always respect my clients I and I tell this to parents too under the age of 18 many individuals don't get a lot of um, control in their lives their mm -hmm. decisions are made mm -hmm. for them so I try to make my office where they can have that kind of control I see I have some parents that are very okay with that. Like this is on this is their thing and if they want me in here, great. And if they don't, they'll step out. Okay. Even with my teenagers, like the parents are like, you know what, I just want them to feel better. Yeah. 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 How how does a parent know 
a child needs help. So younger kids, it's harder to know because kids, you know, kids, yeah. they, you know, I, I don't want to say, um, you know, all kids are rowdy and rambunctious, but they can be, especially, sure. I mean, I'm thinking just a few weeks ago when everyone was cooped up inside, like, but, you know, kids, they, they will show you they need help before they'll tell you. Yeah. They just don't have the forefront in their brain to say, I am feeling really sad right now. Yeah. But what they will do is they might be clingy. They might be, um, their sleep might be disturbed. You might notice that they're having really intense nightmares. Um, I think kids try to grasp on any control they can get when they're feeling out of control. So sometimes right. food, like meals might turn into a struggle. Like they don't, they may, might have been a great eater and now they're refusing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, or on the flip side, I, you know, <laughs> eating too much is a hard <laughs> road to toe because I have a 12 year old at home and he eats me out of a home, but that's just <laughs> because he's active and right. plays yeah. sports and, and things like that. But I think you, I always tell parents, you know, your child best. If yeah. all of a sudden some drastic behavioral changes have occurred, it might be the time to reach out because what I learned in our education, early intervention is key. So if we can get that kid in there eight, nine years old and start learning how to express emotions and talk about things they're going to be better off later. Now, teenagers, I'm starting to pick up, they will tell their parents, I need to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're being taught at school or or if it's TikTok or whatever. (laughs) Like, they're the, I have a lot of teenagers who told their parents, I need to talk to someone. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. So whoever is teaching that. Right. I'm I'm assuming. I'm really proud of that. I I think school counselors play a role in that. Sure. Because I think any good school system is going to have them going in there and doing some, you know, mental health lessons and things like that. Yeah. and I just think it's something I, I know I was preparing for for today. Mental health has changed a lot in our yeah. our public perception of it. I think yeah. when I was growing up, it was my perception was, well, if you had money, you could go to therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was for yeah. a certain type of demographic. Yeah. Um, and I even think before that, like I know – my parents' generation, because I, I just hear about it from my mom and her friends, it was, oh, you're crazy if you're mm-hmm. right, going to talk to a therapist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's for the really mentally ill. Yeah. And now it's just, I think we are, people are accepting the fact that actually your mental health is just a part of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all could, I, I think, I've always told people any big life event or change, go talk to a therapist because mm-hmm. you need to have... You know, someone that has no stake in your game, right? kind of listening and helping you through whatever that may be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to something this week, and it kind of went to the opposite side of that. Like, now the normal is not what you spoke about, and I would agree with you, when I grew up, if you were if if you even thought about going to counseling, much less you were going, you were... Stignant yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, you were less than. You mm-hmm. There was something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You were crazy. So n- nobody did. Mm-hmm. And if you did, you certainly didn't tell anybody. But the statement I heard was that everybody's got anxiety now. And so, and to me, I, I heard that and interpreted it as everybody's says they've got too much going on and everybody it, it triggers or mm-hmm. so sensitive and... So what would you say to that? Would you say that 
everybody's claim to, oh, well, I have anxiety, I need anxiety medicine. Has that went the other way and is over the top now? Um, I have a lot of thoughts on that, to be really honest. <laughs> so let me, I guess, start from the beginning. I think it's great when someone wants to go and talk to a therapist, yes. if they're able to find one um, that works with, within their you know means of you know, finances and or insurance or whatever, which can right. be a challenge. I think it's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. When you bring up medication, not everyone needs medication. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the best treatment plan for anybody if they're really having a mental health crisis is medication and therapy mm-hmm. side by side. You can't just be put on a pill and then be okay. Right. Um, you need to be able to talk to a professional to learn some some skills on you know now that we might have calm down some of the stuff going on in your brain, like, okay, what's next? So when it comes to the medication piece, I think it's definitely needed for some people. I don't mm-hmm. think it's needed for all people. Right. Um, I'm not against <clears throat> medication, but I also think anxiety can be managed a lot with lifestyle changes. Yeah. I will say um, I make a really bad joke with some of my clients when they first walk in to try and normalize mm-hmm. the, humans, like, the human condition, basically, right. which I said – I've told people, uh, post-COVID world, almost anyone could qualify for a generalized anxiety disorder, especially that first year. (laughs) Probably into year two as well. Everything was so uncertain and everything Mm -hmm. felt so scary and Mm -hmm. big. And honestly, it was so long of a time period for everyone that, yeah, you you could get a a diagnosis of most Mm -hmm. people could. Mm -hmm. But anxiety is also normal. Mm-hmm. It's actually the part of the brain that keeps everyone safe and alive. Mm. And so when it comes to do you have clinical diagnosable anxiety is, has it been mismanaged for you know six months or more? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And mismanagement is just, okay, so how do you cope with when things feel overwhelming and you feel right. that anxiety heightened? What do you do with it? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, when I say it's keeping you safe and alive, it's because... Also, our brains do not know the difference between a bear in the woods and, like I tell my students, a math test. Mm. All they know is you feel maybe some nerves, and then all of a sudden the alarm systems go off in your brain. And that's really what anxiety is. It's an alarm system. Mm -hmm. And I tell my clients, I don't want to get rid of your anxiety. We want your anxiety because I always – bad joke, but if my office catches on fire, I want your anxiety alarms to go off right. so we run out. Mm-hmm. Right. That's very healthy and normal and we need it. Right. What's not normal is when you're feeling it every single day and it's hard for you to even, like I said, sit and take a test mm-hmm. or complete your, your job tasks. Mm-hmm. When it's starting to impact daily living, that's when you need to see someone. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're noticing that in your children, just even like walking into school has become a battle go see if you could talk to someone about it right. and see mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you bring up a whole, open a whole can of worms of with the whole COVID thing. Yes. I was listening to a podcast the yes. other day about joy and and they were discussing how COVID has really taken our joy as well mm-hmm. in some regards because again, we're still, we're still coping in some ways yeah. with being antisocial for 12 months almost, mm-hmm. and not being able to get out and live our lives the way that we're used to living. Right. And the repercussions from that, not just anxiety, but lack of joy, lack of, um, I noticed in myself a lack of energy mm-hmm. because I spent all that time when I'd been going to the gym and getting out and and going places with my friends, and then you're, mm-hmm. you're just stuck at home and mm-hmm. you kind of get into 
I, I, I kind of refer to it as my repetitive laziness that I'd never had before. So I think it'll be interesting long-term to see mm-hmm. what the what the long-term effects of COVID are and what we see from that. But I think, um, not to blame something, but I really do think there's, there's a lot from that that we're still coping with. And the positive, I'll say, because I, again, as a therapist, we try to always like reframe things. Yes. Um, with that statement, I think COVID also actually helped us realize like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and some in some aspects, we've come, you know, further in some aspect, like like with mental health, like, mm-hmm. I think people started talking about it more because they mm-hmm. had to, they had no yeah. choice, mm-hmm. like they yeah. needed to get help. Right. And then telehealth became especially mental health field mm. is huge, huge yeah. way. And it's a great yeah. way to see a therapist if if you are in a situation where getting to a therapist's office is going to be too hard for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a great option for access yeah. of care. Um, so some good things have come out of it. My only, I think, critique right now is I think too many industries and too many people are trying to go back to the way it used to be, mm-hmm. which was not great. Mm-hmm. You know, I think right. COVID was able to kind of pull back the curtain and everyone was able to see what are we doing mm-hmm. as a society? And we're still asking that question. But then I've also heard many, especially job industries, are going back to what it was. And it's mm-hmm. like, but, <laughs> like, right. but like also people are overwhelmed. People are burnt out. People, mm-hmm. so let's not go back to that. Let's right. learn right. and evolve. Yeah, right. yeah. So interesting. There's a mental health aspect to everything we do. Yes. Right? You know, I mean, us talking about COVID and how that impacted everybody and you bringing up the way your career and job can be done now through Mm -hmm. telehealth and how so many other industries have went to remote work so now you've got somebody who was used to driving in Mm -hmm. fighting traffic you know for the good or the bad whatever they liked or didn't like about that Mm -hmm. and in an office environment for five days a week versus now they stay at home in their pajamas they never leave the house that you know so there's some mental health oh yeah there's issues with both of those scenarios yeah I think it takes a very special human being to be a 100% remote worker. Same. Mm-hmm. My yeah. husband happens to be that special. Really? He's yeah. a, that's his job is 100% remote. He's a CPA. And okay. uh, his office is in San Diego, California. It's great. Really? It's it's uh, for our family of three kids, and I run my business, and he has his job. It works yeah. for us. Mm-hmm. And he's the type of person at first, <laughs> struggle a little bit, like mm-hmm. you said, when you all you're doing is in your pajamas, <laughs> running, grab coffee, and then you're in your right. office. All but day. he has definitely like developed some good, healthy ways to deal yeah. with that. Like, yeah. and I respect that too as his wife, recognizing that it's funny. I deal with people all day. Mm-hmm. He does not, and so yeah. some nights it's like even when I when I want to go to bed, and he's like, "Can I? You know, I want to go do this." It's like, "Oh yeah, go be around people, go have adult conversations. That's perfectly fine." Like, yeah. yeah. I've we've learned that balance that he needs to when he's off the yeah. clock go and like even if it's just be social ride his yeah. bike yeah just down yes. out and about or, yes. you know so yeah. we yeah I think it it takes that special human being to be able to do it and be productive mm-hmm. but then also know like how to take care of themselves when your office is just down the hall yeah mm-hmm. very true so. yeah. and we all know all kinds of people that have really grasped how to make that themselves successful with the at-home job yeah. and the remote job. I think it just the bigger point there is that 
you're you constantly have to be evolving yes into the next best version of yourself and a lot of that is your mental health your mindset and and getting up and you know making good decisions every day right right i think it takes a lot of discipline to For be a remote sure. worker. Yeah. Um, I don't have a ton of telehealth clients, but every like, yeah. like when weather was bad a few weeks ago, yeah. I did work from home because I, I mean I'm if if the newscasters are telling me it's not safe to be on the roads, I'm not gonna go right. fight it. And a yeah. lot of my families didn't care. Yeah. Like a lot That's of clients great. were right. some did cancel because they're like, uh eh, I don't know about this whole online thing. And I'm like, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, and I would just reschedule them. Yeah. Um, but some people are just perfectly fine that, yeah, they agree with me. If, the, if they were, Like that ice storm. Yeah. Let's just not, let's stop you on the roads today. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. yeah. Well, it's great that you have that option. Right. For, for sure. Right. Yeah. So what is the difference between a counselor and a, a therapist, psychologist, mm-hmm. it, it, the mental health realm is a little confusing to sure. me. So can you kind of iron yeah. out what that those look like? So it's funny. I don't even know if I have a good explanation, the difference between a counselor and a therapist, because um, now I consider myself a therapist, and I guess it's because that is my focus is therapeutic. Got it. Um, healing and goals of my clients. When I was a counselor back in schools, I was I felt like I was more like guidance, like mm-hmm. guiding, advising, things like that along those Got lines. Mm-hmm. In education, school counselors are kind of supposed to be very mental health focused, but depending on the tasks that you have, you don't you don't always do a lot of cl- you don't do any clinical work. It's actually not very appropriate for a school counselor sure. to sit there and do intense therapy in the school Mm -hmm. setting. So if I had to really explain it in my career, it was counselors advised that will um, don't always like tell you what to do, but they will help you come to those conclusions. Mm -hmm. And a therapist is really going to do some clinical work that we're going to try to really get down to the core of what's going on, whether it's with you or your child or your family system. Um, and then you bring up psychologist. Mm-hmm. So a counselor or a therapist has a master's level degree. That's what I hold. Um, and a psychologist has a PhD. Okay. Or I know there's one called a PsyD, and I know Missouri State just just came with that program. So it's a doctorate, though. Okay. It's a doctorate level. Um, so they obviously, to do that, not obviously, but sorry, I shouldn't say that, mm-hmm. but um, they have done more schooling, sure. more mm-hmm. research. Mm-hmm. They have a niche for, from the get-go, because that's what okay. they focused on in school with that doctorate. Um, and so a psychologist, I would definitely recommend if you wanted a full psychiatric kind of evaluation mm-hmm. where they're going to do some testing mm-hmm. and kind of see. And I think those are great for people who are wanting to get to the heart of what's going on with that mm-hmm. individual or child. Mm-hmm. I have recommended my clients to go get psychological evaluations. Mm-hmm. They're great uh, in regards to like getting more support in the educational world. So I Got will it. say I can't do that, but psychologists yeah. can. Mm-hmm. And they're really good at that too. Like knowing how the different diagnostic testing, yeah. like I diagnose, but my diagnosis is based on some screeners and mainly um, observations from parents or those around you know are that person um so it's very subjective yes yeah and it's based on what i hear um i use there's a manual a dsm if you've heard of that it's called the diagnostical diagnostic statistical manual and it's what most therapists all therapists use to diagnose but again that's based on um, symptoms and behavioral markers to go get that psych 
psychological evaluation, that is when you're getting really deep in depth with interviews, with rating scales, with sometimes actual like IQ tests. Mm -hmm. So things along those lines. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other layer is a psychiatrist. That's the medical doctor. And so that's if you're wanting medication, that's where I would that's where I would go if I want a medication. Yeah. Some people get it from their primary care physician, which is fine. It's a person that will do that for you. Right. But to the psychiatrist, that's their specialty. Yes. So for me, that's going to be the one that will be able to really, I think, work with you and know your makeup versus what the best um, med- um, uh, medicine would be best for your sure. for your concerns. So, Makes sense. yeah, there's a That's, lot to yeah. mental health. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, the medical doctor is the only one who can prescribe medication. If my memory serves me correctly, I believe some psychologists can too. They just have to take coursework, and I think another layer of like certification or testing to be able to do that. Okay. But that I feel like that was what I was told back in graduate school, and we're talking. <laughs> A long time ago. A few years ago. And since I'm not a psychologist, I haven't kept up with some of that. Sure, sure. If there's been any changes to that or not. So if you, but you would have to work, if you were counseling someone or had someone in therapy and they were asking you about medication, Mm -hmm. you would have to partner then with um, the psychiatrist. I would just make a referral. Okay, Um, you would just refer. mm -hmm. Okay. I know a few, I don't know them personally, but I know some past clients have given me some people that they liked to work with when it came to psychiatry. And then in town, there's a big mental health organization that honestly is one of the first places I do refer to for psychiatry help. So, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about a hard subject and that is suicide. Mm -hmm. So I did some research on stats and you may have some updated ones even from this, but NBC news reported at the end of December of 23, more than 50,000 Americans died by suicide in 2023. And that was a record year. Mm-hmm. And that's heartbreaking and horrible. Mm-hmm. But I'm certain there's no one that has not been touched by mm-hmm. suicide. Mm-hmm. So is this something that you have had to deal with in your practice? And if so, what? how do you begin to to deal with that with families with children mm-hmm. so I um the whole reason why I'm probably even sitting here today is because I was touched by it as a high schooler mm-hmm. uh, a classmate I was not close with like not really good friends with um, our last names just happened to be right by each other so in high school at least the high school I went to they <laughs> put us in rows alphabetical so right. uh the the year he died by suicide um I had four classes and we sat by each other in all four mm-hmm. classes. Um, actually, one I did not. But um, the point is, is um, I mean, that it literally changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, coping through that, honestly, at 16, I didn't cope through it. Sure. I didn't know how to. Right. This was early 2000s. I still think we, were talk- we weren't talking nearly no. enough about any of this. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was in some TV shows and movies, but, you know, not the way it should have been represented right. at that time. And the school I went to was small and just really didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I think it was still before the prevalence of teens make, you know, dying by suicide. So it was like the, you know, there was no protocol. There was Mm -hmm. no, oh, when this happens, this is what you do. Mm -hmm. And 
to be honest, I don't think they handled it well, knowing mm-hmm. what I know now. Mm-hmm. Um, and my whole class as a whole, I just think really struggled to walk through you know, that rest of that school year, mm-hmm. um, even a year later when it was the anniversary, that was hard. It, it, there was just a lot of moments during that time period that were extremely hard. Mm-hmm. We were a small school and it was, I think my graduating class was about like 130 or something, like very, so very, mm-hmm. especially compared to some of the bigger sure. public schools, very, very small. And um, I think there's four or five of us who are mental health professionals now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, I think right. it was very much... We were touched by this yes. moment in yeah. time. Um, so that is literally what drove me to get a psychology degree and then pursue further education so I could be a mental health professional. In fact, that's why I went to school counseling is because I felt like that's where we start. They could have done better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. where we needed to start. It was in schools. And schools have come a long way. Most schools yeah. that I've worked at have really good procedures. They do prevention, mm-hmm. um, which is great. That's good. Um, I know some schools have programs where there are peer leaders that this is, if you're struggling, go to a peer because research has showed a teen is going to talk to a peer mm-hmm. before they actually, they're going to share it with the peer first before right. they tell an adult. And usually they don't tell an adult when they're having the right. thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, oh man, I just went on a, I'm trying to remember your question. Um, like how, how are you dealing with it now in today's world? I think when it comes to, when I have a client and that has been a concern in their background or a current active concern, Mm -hmm. I will always check in every time I see that individual. Mm -hmm. I consider someone's having active suicidal thoughts okay, we're going to stop everything, and I'm seeing them once a week. Mm-hmm. If they're really – it might even need to be more if it's mm-hmm. if they become in crisis sure. in, the, in between appointments. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, once a week, and then as those thoughts become at bay, we can lessen a little bit because typically I start out with people every other week. Gotcha. But my higher need, need clients once a week is warranted for that. And I just always – it's just showing them their self-worth. It's showing them that, okay, your mind is, you have these thoughts, we're going to honor them, but where are they coming from? What What is, because a lot of times with, with people who did not complete their suicide, the report is they were just trying to feel something, yep. that they had been so depressed, so low mm-hmm. for so long, they were just trying to do something. Mm-hmm. And so it's showing them what to do when you're feeling that dark Mm-hmm. you know cloud over you yeah um so I take it very seriously I I will have I've had clients express it in the middle of a session and then it's literally stop everything we're going to address this yeah. um a big shift for me when I left education and joined the more mental health field was that as a school counselor we're trained okay you might ask a few questions to kind of see the severity of this statement and then we tell, call parents and say, you need to go take them to be seen by either a doctor or a mental health professional. Well, then when I got into the mental health world, all of a sudden I realized, oh, I'm the mental health professional. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get to then speak into right. what's the next mm-hmm. steps. Right. And so mm-hmm. I work very much side by side with families on how to best support. And I create what's called a safety plan. So, hey, I the child or yourself has these thoughts, Mm -hmm. this is what you're going to do. We're going to do the coping skills we're working on in therapy, deep breathing, just different, those types of techniques. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're going to call this number because there's 
crisis hotlines that you can call and then you get connected with a mental health professional right there in the moment who can help walk you through. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is necessary to go to the hospital and be seen sure. by a doctor because mm-hmm. the only thing that's going to save that person's life at that moment is some medical interventions. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's definitely one of those things that's a case-by-case basis. It's mm-hmm. like I have a certain plan in my head when these things pop up of what to do, but it really truly depends on that individual. Right. Yeah. Are you seeing, based on these statistics, obviously we're a country in crisis when it mm-hmm. comes to suicide. Are, have you gradually seen more and more um, patients with with the thought of suicide? I think my perspective is very skewed. I don't think it's mm-hmm. any it's increasing okay. in what I see, mm-hmm. but I also have seen it for the last five years a lot. Yeah. When yeah. I was in the schools, I want to say my last two years of education, I felt like it's it spiked. And mm-hmm. one of my last year in education was the 2020, 2021 school year so that was that post-covid school year Mm -hmm. and that was a huge like I felt like that but it also right before covid it was increased too like Mm -hmm. it just felt like wow kids are hurting right now and I believe and I know we all love these but this has a lot Mm -hmm. to do with it we are the most connected society ever in the history of mankind Mm -hmm. yet we are so disconnected and absolutely the statistic on suicide is not shocking to me only because when someone does not feel safe, significant, respected, like they don't mm-hmm. feel that, then that might be the only choice that makes sense mm-hmm. to them in that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. We're not connected anymore like we weren't were. And again, going back to COVID, we were actually scared to connect with people for a really long time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, sure. and so... We have to go back to getting to know our neighbors, Mm -hmm. talking to one another, being outside. You know, we have to go back to the basics of living because Mm -hmm. doing everything online. I'm the one that even said telehealth is a great way to access if you have no other options. But in-person stuff is so much more therapeutic and healing than anything online. Um, I think the internet's great. It teaches me a lot of stuff. YouTube. I learned so much, Um, but it can't be the only way you get human connection. And I think that's why that statistic is the way Mm -hmm. it is right now. Yeah. And such a basis for comparison. Everybody wants to compare themselves to someone else and why aren't they where they think they should Mm -hmm. be. And like you said, just, just not feeling seen and Mm -hmm. not feeling heard. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, for some that, that may be the only thing that they can figure out that will help. Yeah, it's it's really it's sad because the one I mean it's our teenagers who I feel like are really struggling the most with putting the phones down and, and connecting with one another. Mm-hmm. And I think if you do the math, you know, someone who's sixteen right now was twelve when they were sent home and told, "Don't talk," you know, "Don't be in person." Sure. Yeah. That's a pivotal social development milestone as 12 years sure. old mm-hmm. yeah. and and trying to figure out who you are as a person. You, yeah. you start asking those questions at 12. And if you were doing that in a home, uh, just you and your family, and maybe your family wasn't a safe place to be. It, it, it was really, yeah. as a school counselor, it was a heartbreaking time for me. And I said, we were with our youth, we're going to see it for probably the next decade, the mm-hmm. ramifications of all of it. And not that it was wrong at the time. It's yeah. just children just absorb everything around them 
They do. Stress, anxiety, good good times, bad times, language mm-hmm. development, all this stuff yeah. just kind of however that household was coping with all the changes. Yeah. We're seeing it now in children because mm-hmm. and they don't have again that forefront in their brain right. to understand things that we can understand. Right. And even us had a hard time understanding things too. And we still have a hard time. So it's yeah. just, yeah. Um, like I said, I'm not surprised that last year was the was a record number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, for me, makes it that much more important to get my practice, you know, that I opened my practice last year. I, I added Absolutely. a therapist on this year and, yeah. and just going to keep growing with it and keep trying to help people every way I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as we try to wrap up today... What kind of things can you leave our listeners with mm-hmm. that are the best for their mental health? What what types yeah. of activities and and what's good for us? I will say it's very individualized. When I work sure. with clients, like I, I try, there's no one size fits all. Right. But there are some kind of basic things. Um, sleep is one of the first mm. things I attack with my clients. If they are reporting to me they can't fall asleep at night or they're constantly waking up throughout the night, I try to figure out why. Right. And can we make some lifestyle changes to help you get a good night's sleep? Yeah. Um, I read a whole book by uh, his name is Dr. Matthew West, and it's called Why We Sleep. And it it's a very dense book. It's almost like a textbook, but mm-hmm. it really gave the science behind sleep. And one mm-hmm. of the things he described, when we go to sleep, it's like plugging in our cell phones. Mm-hmm. We have to recharge our brain mm-hmm. from all the stuff we did that day. If you are not getting good quality sleep, deep sleep, you're not allowing some chemicals in your brain to recharge, like mm-hmm. serotonin, which is the chemical mm-hmm. that brings joy and happiness, mm-hmm. um, dopamine, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Then, and as we know with our phones, if you wake up and it's 75%, what's going to happen to your phone throughout the day? Right. You're mm-hmm. going to have to replug it back in and recharge. It's so be drained. Yeah. That's our brains. Yeah. When you are that lower level for a consistent long period of time, your anxiety is higher. And then when your anxiety is high for a long time, your depression symptoms start kicking in. Okay. So to get to the root, I prioritize with my clients' sleep. Okay. Unfortunately, again, we're all on our screens, and the screens will affect yeah. your mm-hmm. sleep. So I always mm-hmm. tell people an hour before you actually want to close your eyes and go to sleep, put the phone away. Put okay. the tablet mm-hmm. away. Put the computer away. You're probably not even <laughs> going to do good work if you're trying to catch up right. on some yes. deadlines. You're not even going to do good work at that time. Agree. So get it all put away. Read a book. Do a crossword puzzle. Mm-hmm. I last year actually took up needle pointing. It's very relaxing mm-hmm. to do that that's at awesome. night. Yeah. You know, just find a puzzle. Do yeah. something that's not on a screen. Mm-hmm. I do read books on Kindle, but it's the paper white. So I tell myself that's probably better than my <laughs> cell phone. Yes. But, but, you know, like find what works for yeah. you at night. Um, but it very much chill not high energy, kind of relaxing. And then your brain's going to learn over time, ah, when you're doing this, it's almost time for bed Mm -hmm. to help you kind of get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think diet and exercise is crucial. Yeah. Um, I do get sensitive about this because I do think our diet culture is in an extreme state right now where people, I mean, there's too much confusing things out there, Mm -hmm. especially on the TikTok and the the Instagram, there's so many videos. Eat this, don't do that. Like, right. and I just take it back to the basics of fruits, vegetables, mm-hmm. the best quality meat you can possibly get your hands on. 
um, less sugar if you can, but there's sugar mm-hmm. and everything. So just be just be mindful. Mm-hmm. Don't stress out about it and make it your obsession, but just good quality food. Um, even just going out on your lunch break and taking a walk around the campus yeah. that you work at. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be in this mindset if I couldn't take my hour walk, why even bother? And now this year, my goal is to always get outside every single day. And even if it's for 10 minutes, yep. just go take that time to decompress and unwind. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, there's so many things I could suggest. Mm-hmm. Be mindful what you consume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I know true crime and some of those things are very hot and trendy, but also yeah. if that's what you're exposing your mind to, you're going to be a little bit more anxious and on edge because you're going to feel like that might be happening to you mm-hmm. at any given time. So mm-hmm. just sense. be mindful of what yeah. – and I'm someone – I'm a former true crime. I used to do it all the time until I realized – oh, maybe that was contributing to my anxiety. Mm -hmm. So it's just taking a look at yourself. What are habits that you can kind of tweak up Mm -hmm. to live a healthier, happier life? And then human connection. With us, our talk of anxiety, one of the things that leads to anxiety is disconnection. Mm -hmm. If you feel very disconnected from people, you're going to feel anxious. Mm -hmm. So Those are really great tips. And you mentioned one earlier that I'll underline too is that just take a deep breath. Yeah. It's amazing what will happen if you get, be conscious of where you are and just take a deep breath and take a moment, inhale slowly, Mm -hmm. exhale slowly, and just slow yourself down. Um, And I, I will contribute to your turn the, turn the devices off. I have never in my life had a had trouble sleeping, but there was a time period where I noticed I was on my computer still doing work mm-hmm. at 9.30 at night. And I got to thinking, I wonder if that's contributing to the fact that I can't fall asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, my mind is still going. It's mm-hmm. still on, you know, in a high gear. Right. So I really have made made the policy that I'm putting my computer away mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock at night. And I'm not going to, I'm going to do my best not to look at yeah. anything after 8. I think that's a great, great tip. Yeah. So... Thank you, Katie, so much for being here. Um, I do want to just make a plea to our listeners that if you see something or you notice that someone is is in peril, please say something and mm-hmm. better to get them help before it's right. too late. Absolutely. I think um, that's one pro of our youth. Yes, they're struggling, yet a lot of youth I come in contact with say something. That's good. Because awesome. um, I think they're, they know they know it's yeah. it's a serious thing to talk about. And I, yeah. I tell that, you know, it's it's out of love and care. You're not trying Absolutely. to tattle. Right. Um, and so, yeah, actually you see something, you're concerned, you say something. And if that person gets offended, you know what? They'll be around where yep. you can repair exactly. that later. You exactly. know? So it's yep. just, you just never want to okay. be like, I wish I would have done something. Yeah. Right. Right. Great stuff. Great stuff. Thanks, Katie. We appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Yep. And thanks to Gershman for letting us use their beautiful studio. Thanks, Jordan and Kate. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Simply Authentic Podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to listen to us on your favorite podcasting app.